Hark the bardic paladin Who sings and plays again He tells the tales of glory And weaves a magic story He'll join you at your table And ask you to share a fable Heroes of humble origin Villains who must be fought again No matter their skill or prowess The people in life are countless so we pray you heed our request. Enjoy this tale of sidekicks and sidequests. Episode 92 Clover the Crystal Merchant. Welcome to Sidekicks and Sidequests the Dungeons & Dragons podcast that helps to put humans back into humanity and breathe life into your campaign NPCs with backstory and bravado. That's right, we're building a world, one character at a time. I am your host, Kurt Krenwelge, the Bardic Paladin, and I'll be joining Johnny Stanton IV's table in the Levitating Platter. <laughs> everyone and welcome to another exciting episode of sidekicks and side quests the best unofficial dungeons and dragons podcast in my humbly biased opinion and a special treat for you today for this is basically the last episode that we're recording today of the year uh, so it's also like our christmas and our new year's eve episode so way to go progress howdy y'all this episode is sponsored by plus one exp Tony Vicinda is the mastermind behind this mastercraft of beard balms, game design, and community building. He's got beard balms named after all the basic stats from D&D, so get a can, apply it to your face, and smell the sweet aroma and the sweet victory that comes along with increased strength, dexterity, charisma, and more. Beards and Beyond is the indie RPG that helped to launch this entire brand, but Tony's collaborated and developed several other projects including Repugnant, Eye Toaster, Down We Go, Through the Void, Vamp Nugula, and Brand Standing. If you support Plus One EXP either by buying something on their website or going to the itch page, tonyplus1.itch.io, it all helps funnel into the Plus One Ford program, which seeks to support additional indie tabletop content creators to continue making awesome stuff. So I'd highly encourage you to follow Tony and Plus One EXP on all of the socials, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. In order to keep up with all the various projects that are being worked on, as well as upcoming interviews, one-shots, and actual plays of some of these awesome games. And if you don't mind, when you go to the website plus1exp.com and you see that affiliate code box, go ahead and type in Randolph when you're buying a Beard Bomb or a Beard RPG in order to get some savings on your purchase at no extra cost to you. Again, that code is Randolph at checkout on the website plus1exp.com. Without any further delay, hello, mystery contestant. Would you like to introduce yourself and tell us who it is that you are and what is it that you do? Hey there. Um, well, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year from October, what is it, 24th? Yes. <laughs> if that's okay for, for me to reveal the date. Um, oh, sure. Yeah. I'm, uh, my name is Johnny Stanton. Uh, I play fullback in the NFL, currently unaffiliated with the team, uh, and I'm a huge D&D nerd um, and lover of all things nerdy. Yes. I know I want to uh, proclaim it here and now that when I had my work fantasy football draft, you were the first person that I drafted. So everyone <laughs> else was like, why are you doing that? I was like, because he's my bro 
and I what got a draft lovely him. and ill-advised decision in fantasy football. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not well, even for the fact that I'm not on a team this year, but secondly, that like I'm not going to get you any points. Like last year, I was able to get six, like in one or seven in one game, mm-hmm. and uh, that's like that was one game and that was max. So uh, yeah, usually I wouldn't advise uh, choosing a fullback, especially in the first round. But I very much appreciate it. It's very nice well, of you. I'm more of a nerd and not a sports nerd, so that all just it's didn't all one matter. And the same. Yeah, it's all one and the same, but we're here in the DFW area, so my wife wanted me to say, hey, tell Johnny Stanton that if he wants to go play for the Renegades uh, in the XFL, <laughs> we're more than happy to drive on down Arlington and watch him play. So uh, That's very nice, yeah. Well, of course, I think you segued into it nicely, but uh, do you currently, or have you ever played Dungeons & Dragons before? I definitely have. Uh, I started back in college. I was a big comic book nerd before becoming a TTRPG nerd. Uh, and I was a regular at my local comic book shop in Las Vegas. I started getting into, I was a fan for a long time of this uh, channel called Corridor Digital. Mm. And they have a um, and they have a sister channel called Node. Mm. Um, and Node was uh, doing all like those same characters uh, doing D&D um, for a couple of sessions. They would play video games too, but mm. there were a couple a couple like playlists of them playing D&D. And I'm like, oh, this is really, really interesting. I've, you know, I've heard of Dungeons and Dragons, but never really... Uh, gotten into it so like I, none of my friends play as far as i know um so let me see like who i can find and uh i'll go to my local comic book uh shop local like nerd mecca um as far as i'm concerned mm. and uh see if they know anything about it and i asked them at the front desk i said yeah we actually have a group that just started they're playing here on sunday nights uh, every other sunday why don't you join them and from there it's been history i've been trying to introduce as many people as i can to it um the very next group that I that I played in was I ran a, I ran some like a campaign. It only went for like five sessions, but for mm-hmm. some teammates, and that was my first time bringing anybody else in, let alone any teammates. Um, and then I got a lot of notoriety last year um, for bringing uh, a couple of my teammates with the Browns into the D and D world. So yeah, that's been a lot of fun. I play in a, a weekly game with uh, I run a weekly game for my fiance and her brothers and. I play in a couple other ones that besides that. And uh, yeah, I'm a big D&D nerd. Well, I know about this time last year when we recorded, we were fortunate enough to interview Travis Frederick, who used to play for the Cowboys and now is, you know, co-founder CTO of Demiplane. So yeah, have you had an opportunity to play in a, like a charity game or something with him before? Not yet. I have mm. been able to be interviewed by another former guest of the show, Andrew Strother, mm, um, yes. for Dwarven Forge. Uh, Travis and I appeared on the same uh, Twitch stream. Uh, that's the first time we had met, the only time we've spoken. I'm excited to be able to connect with him further. But actually, another one of my teammates and one of the people that joined um, with joined my D&D group with the Browns, Miles Garrett, was part of that interview as well. Um, so kind of had, you know, big football kind of conglomeration on that stream. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to be able to kind of speak with Travis more. Just kind of spitballing, just a ad lib question. How do you feel like your ambassadorship, if you will, you know, helping to bridge against the stereotype of like, ah, the jock who must oppose mm-hmm. the nerd and beat them up at the smell of polyhedral dice. And then like, <laughs> well, no, I, you know, it's role-playing, it's creative storytelling and all that stuff. And I just want to have fun with my friends and, you know, blow off uh, some steam and, you know, without worrying about getting sacked by another 400 pound muscled person. Yeah, I mean, I've kind of become a little bit of an ambassador in terms of the sports world for it. You know, you hear stories about like, yeah, Tim Duncan was like a big D&D nerd, but I don't think, you know, he he would barely speak to the media whenever, but he didn't, you know, reveal to the whole world that he was a big D&D nerd. And, uh, you know, Travis mentioned that he didn't, you know, talk to his teammates about it when he was with the Cowboys. 
so I think I'm the first one to kind of proclaim that um, unabashedly that uh, I roll I roll math clicky clacking math dice um, yeah. on uh, you know whenever I can. But yeah, I think it's it's honestly had a great um, reception. I've gotten a big you know a lot of my following is because of it. Not a big following, but it's, a, it's mm. I've gotten a lot of my following because there is a big um, the Venn diagram between D and D nerds and football nerds uh, is pretty overlapping. Uh, yeah. So a lot of the a lot of the people that I know are uh, you know big fans of both. So it's lo- it's lovely to be able to kind of be welcomed within that world mm. and also just see how big it is. I don't know the politics of football and stuff like that and what that means, but I'm sure lots of people are like, oh, but if you ended up going to the Steelers, then that would get you on the radar of Joe Manganiello, and then that would bring you into the Jocks Machina fold or something like that. Yeah, it's. Um, I know that uh, Joe was, I know, I definitely know how big of a Steelers fan Joe is. Uh, and actually last, no, two years ago now, uh, I had my first NFL game against the Eagles. And I, like a lot of guys, definitely like spent a lot of time trying to figure out what my pregame outfit was going to be because you mm-hmm. see these pictures that everybody posts after the game, you know, you're wearing your nice jacket, nice sneakers, you know, whatever kind of makes you feel good. Mm-hmm. And uh, I wore a Rolling Stones shirt, pair of jeans with some um, Jordans and a death saves jacket. I posted that I tagged death saves, I tagged Joe, and then he hooked me up with some death saves gear after that. So that was cool. That's how I ended up on his radar a little bit, but um, still hoping to be able to grow that relationship for sure. Well, this humble podcast is called Sidekicks and Sidequests, so we like to ask the real interesting question. Who is one of your favorite NPCs or sidekick characters, whether they're from your tabletop games or maybe a particular favorite video game, film, literature, other piece of media? And uh, why is this character your favorite NPC or sidekick? As far as within the D&D world... I haven't I haven't run any sidekicks within the within our game yet, but I think my favorite D and D sidekick in like media I've been I've been just blasting through Nadpod campaign mm-hmm. one, and I'm almost done. But Balnor I think is probably one of the best all time like sidekick characters. Uh, he's just so good, and I think Murph does a great job of keeping him present within the moment because that's the hardest thing as a DM is trying to keep that sidekick present in media i mean samwise gamgee is a great um sidekick character i'm not even a huge lord of the rings guy but samwise kind of is the first one that comes up comes to, to my mind little john and robin hood is kind of a good one <laughs> yeah i think the stereotype the archetype the sidekick is fun to kind of dissect and like you know it kind of fulfills the needs that the main character doesn't have um just like any good relationship does mm-hmm. so you know you look at batman and robin and Robin, you know, he's bright. He is not as powerful, but he's he's quicker and more naive and more optimistic than Batman is. Kind of all fulfilling those different roles that he doesn't that Batman doesn't fill. So I think my favorite ones are the ones that uh, are able to be a nice like foil to the character, mm-hmm. while still being on the same side, being like the perfect match. And then likewise, what's been one of your favorite side quests? Whether it's been one of your games, a video game. Uh, movie, film, television, etc. And why has it been one of your favorite side quests? I think everybody loves, and I think they kind of fill the same niche, a tournament arc in a D&D uh, and a festival arc. Or like not necessarily arc, but it can, you know, oftentimes like a, an episode or session or whatever. I think those are always fun. As far as my game goes, uh, there's there was a very fun one. It was more of a main mission, I, I guess, but um, it's hard to tell within my game. There was a very fun one where this tree had opened up in, had like kind of teleported from the Feywild 
into this giant forest outside the big city and was causing this wild magic surge to uh, erupt within like a mile radius. So the party had to go in and take out the tree, but there were all these fake creatures surrounding it, all of like, you know, these myconid creatures that kind of sprouted up and, you know, it was very alien and Feywild themed in that area mm-hmm. without actually going to the Feywild. And then they ended up fighting the tree. It wasn't like necessarily treant stat block. It was a little bit different. It was stationary. And then its companion, which was a satyr that was very grumpy and would like curse out the party uh, until they cast silence on him. So that was probably one of my favorite ones because they ended up knocking the tree out, sending it back to the Feywild. And I definitely think it'll come back later in the, in the campaign, but uh, it'll be, uh, that's probably one of my favorite side quests that I've, that I've run. Yeah. You were talking about a side quest that's part of a main mission, but it still feels like a side quest. I know if anyone ever flipped the table on me in, in Red Dead Redemption 2, there's the mission where Arthur Morgan goes to the saloon and is just like, mm-hmm. hey, you're just supposed to take this guy for a drink. And then you have like a wild and crazy night. Yeah. That's the music underlying that whole scene and just the whole quest of it itself is just very fun and very much speaks to the spirit of Arthur Morgan. And just, you know, whenever that uh, voice actor's out and people are yelling, Lenny! Adam and stuff like that he's like all right all right yeah I mean I think some of my favorite side quests within Red Dead um and I think you can definitely relate it to D&D and if you're running a game Mm -hmm. is I and I think uh, if I remember correctly this was one of them but for example you might get drunk with this side character and then or something happens where you end up on like the other side of the map or like Mm -hmm. in this completely foreign area and you're and the the session like the the side quest ends and, you know, you get whatever rewards you get, but then you're like, okay, like, how am I supposed to get back to where I am? Mm-hmm. Um, and it kind of can cause some fun chaos and confusion within the the, the players. What okay. a great game. Well, before this turns into a Red Dead Redemption uh, <laughs> podcast, we'll ask the final question here in the personal interview section. What are you passionate about and why? What am I passionate about? Um, I'm really passionate about trying to be vocal in the things that I am passionate about. And, and I guess it's kind of circular, but whenever I am interested in something or wanting to like to stick up for something, I think the most important thing you can do is be vocal about it, especially if you have a platform. Um, I have worked with a organization called athlete ally that supports um, LGBTQ athletes um, and just, you know, fights legislation for them, promotes their causes and, and all these different things. And they're really great. And I've, I think I might've been kind of concurrent with uh, another player that came out this year, whose name is completely escaping me. came out last year, uh, used um, my platform in my cause, my cleats to promote an LGBTQ organization. So I promoted athlete ally. I had rainbows on my cleats and it was looked incredible and actually got picked up by the NFL Instagram account. They reposted it. And, you know, all these people are supporting me or like hating on me because of it. And then some people are asking me like, why do that. You know, that's some people like, why, why bring it up? You know, it's not, it's, it's not really that important. Is it? I'm like, well, I think it is. And because I think it is, I'm going to use my voice to speak about it. And you should speak about the things that you think are important. So that's what I'm passionate about is allowing people to use their platform, use their voice to stick up for the little guy to speak out against injustices and try to do what they can to try to make the world you know a better place than when they left it and and i think using your voice is really the the only way that i know how to do that excellent well i think we've learned a lot about our wonderful guest johnny stanton the fourth that i think it's time we now head into a segment called 
NPC creation. NPC creation is brought to you by you, the podcast audience, and especially our patrons from Patreon. Now is the time to give a shout out to our comfortable patrons and above with a loud hurrah. So to you, Katie Downey, and my mom and dad, we say cheers. Again, this is for patrons who donate $2 or more a month. Katie and my parents are among my highest tier wealthy level patrons, which means they get to introduce an element of chance to our random tables and NPC creation, which we might get to use here today. So if you want to learn more and join the cheapest podcast Patreon community out there this side of the table, then go to my show notes below, go to the podcast website, or just go on to patreon.com forward slash sidekicks and side quests all typed out to find more information about our three tiers, one to four dollars a month. Help us expand our operations at the levitating platter in this demiplane and worlds beyond. We're an NPC creation, so this is the part where we make up, you guessed it, an NPC. So uh, in discussing this, I think we were leaving it up uh, to the moment for you to decide if you wanted to like roll the dice randomly, if there was like an idea you already had that you wanted help fleshing out, or if you wanted to like do a combo of both. Like there's an archetype or something that you wanted to work off, but then maybe some things are left to chance. Sure um let's uh let's make it let's make it our own i don't think we want to make any ra- randomization stuff i'll um uh looking at the the stuff you, you you showed me there's some like you can kind of based off of myself or some like some of my one of my like other npcs or whatever mm-hmm. and i think uh let's let's based off myself let's uh indulge my own ego <laughs> and okay. see what we can make from, from that all right we will do that so then uh the, the first question that we have to ask ourselves what's the name of the character um I'm thinking something to do with the fourth or four, uh, like quattro, um, quad. Um, I'm just spitballing here. I feel sure. like the name should be the hardest. That should be the easiest thing. Um, I mean, if you want to come back to it, we have done that before. Maybe, maybe it's too hard or too soon to determine a name. Maybe you need to maybe get an idea of who the character is before uh, you get an idea of a name. How about this? Let's call him. Let's call him Clover. Because he was, he picked up a four-leaf clover as a kid and oh. uh, like stuck it with him, and that's what his, uh, that's what everybody comes across and like started giving him that nickname. Sure. So he may have like a different name that like his uh, family and true close yeah. friends know him by, but everybody just, knows him by Clover. Yeah, Clover. Yeah, we know that guy. Okay, cool. The next question: What is the ancestry of our character? Um, I don't know. This is very quickly not becoming about me, but I'm gonna go with like. Let's say let's say it's an elf. Let's say a wood elf. Uh, okay. No, I feel like that that wouldn't be that wouldn't be the craziest thing in the world for a wood elf to find a four leaf clover. So maybe like maybe a dwarf. Oh, okay. a dwarf finding a four leaf clover and like keeping them around. I think is more interesting than like a wood elf doing that. Okay, all right. So a dwarf hill mountain or uh, um, Azer Dwargar. <laughs> a Dwargar would be interesting because they're subterranean. Cool. Yeah, go with hill dwarf. Okay. What is the difference between a mountain mountain dwarf and a hill dwarf? I always forget. I think in the general basic player's handbook, it's like the mountain dwarves are like tougher, but then the hill dwarves get like an extra hit point or something every time they level up. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. That's more of a difference yeah. of like, you know, Flavor we're the, mount- we're really the mountain yeah. we're the mountain dwelling Khazad-Doom dwarves. Yeah. And then like, oh, you're the dwarves that just like, you know, live outside. Let's go with mountain dwarf. Let's go with mountain dwarf. Okay. A mountain dwarf that found a clover and it just goes by clover but has yeah. like a grand eloquent 
dwarven yeah. name, true name. And now he like keeps it pressed in a book. And what is the job or role in society for Clover the Mountain Dwarf? Um, what is his job? He's living in the mountain. Minor is just like a little bit too easy. I think Sure. This is Is there um, a job or something that made him or uh, allowed him to like journey outside a lot and then that's how he found the clover? Or is it a rare clover that grew like inside the mountain or something like that? Yeah. Um maybe maybe it doesn't maybe the clover was like given to him or something or no i think it's more fun if you if you found it um what would what would bring him outside or in a remote place inside the mountain that maybe few people are able to go or have ever been to before you know what i think you know what i think actually and i was kind of leaning towards this but i kind of found the the, a way for it to work with going outside uh is that uh clover is like finds and sells crystals Okay. Um, so he'll go out on these expeditions into the mountain in these like, you know, these mineral rich, crystal rich areas. And he ended up mining. So he guess he's kind of a miner. He ended up getting into this area that like was very close to the surface and broke through into the surface and kind of like, oh my gosh, this is my first time like seeing the sun before. And then like found himself in like a clover patch, a clover field. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Now I'm just imagining like a Minecraft. He's just going through. Yeah. He's like, <laughs> he just pops up and he's like, oh, I mean, I've seen sunlight reflected off the mirrors or whatever inside the mountains, yeah. but this is like with my own true eyes outside. Like, okay, that's yeah. pretty cool. So I know you were saying, oh, I don't want to steer to miners. So maybe more of like a mineral merchant who yeah. has experience with, maybe he was a miner in his younger days. He's like, you know what? I can make more just by, you know, actually yeah, I think all the other miners you know i think he as a miner growing up like found this crop outcrop of like this crystal cave and while all the or all the dwarves thought it was cool they're like that's not our job you know our job is to find you know the silver the gold or whatever he's like i don't know this this stuff seems pretty cool mm-hmm. and then he ended up kind of breaking off and doing his own thing is he like the head of a guild or a company of some sort like he's the i don't head know of it? i feel like it's a small business small business it's a small business i think the dwarves are very practical people Mm. um and uh but he does find his right he has has his regular customers who come by and uh find if he has any new products or if anybody comes by the mountain uh that's like a kind of a tourist spot to to go check out his crystals and sometimes they might be like a little magically like there's a little magic essence within them that he doesn't even know because he's not like magically inclined okay interesting and so is he venturing out to like towns to sell his wares or he just set up shop you know, within the mountain somewhere and like whenever tourists are, oh, we want to go see the mines. And obviously the dwarves are heavily protective of like the stuff that's really important. And then they're like, oh, th- this guy does crystals. Sure, we'll go check him out. And then he's like, well, actually, these things are pretty cool. Yeah, I think he uh, I think he kind of sets himself up in the best spot for when uh, tourists come by and like they enter the they enter the the, the town or the city within the mountain. Mm-hmm. and um, kind of sets, him, sets himself up in that town square, and he has this big sign that says Clover's Crystals. Okay, very cool. And then let's see, how old is Clover? If we're imagining him as a miner in his younger days, and maybe he doesn't necessarily do that as much? Yeah, he's, um, he's, not, uh, he's not a young man anymore, but he's definitely not old. I'd say like right around like 270 for indoor veneers, you know? Uh, the next question here, describe the physical appearance. So when we're imagining Clover, this mountain dwarf who sells 
crystals and leads tourist expeditions to crystalline caves. What do you imagine that Clover looks like? I think uh, Clover it dresses a little bit more like flamboyantly where he's like dressing like light, like brighter colors um, where everybody else is kind of like, you know, you're in the mountains, everybody's wearing like browns and blacks and grays while he wants to bring a little bit of color to the world kind of matches crystals. So he's wearing purples, he's wearing blues, he's wearing greens. I think he even knots his beard with braids that like kind of weave in a, um, like a weave of blue or green into it, um, into his like black hair. But yes, he has his fully, you know, dwarven like top knot with like braided beard, but there's some like weaves of green and blues and purples based on his outfit on the day. And is he, um, like well tolerated or liked within his society or they're just like, Oh, that's Clover. Like, yeah, he's cool, but you know, he's doing his own thing and we've got more important things to do. Or is it like outright, like we don't know what to do with this guy or. I think he's more of like the, uh, a character within a subculture, all the rest of them, all the rest of the dwarves are all miners and they're doing their thing, going to work every single day while he's, you know, he owns a shop. He dresses in bright colors. He's selling these crystals that like only a few people within the town want. Uh, I think he's kind of within this kind of subculture of um, whatever city he's in and uh, kind of hangs with those people. Okay. So he does run his own shop in the town. And I know yeah. you were saying he's, it's a small business. So he's probably only got like a handful of people that probably work for him. Mm-hmm. Are they like other people from his clan, his community, or are they like former tourists who decided, you know what, I want to come work for you or something like that? Uh, I think there is a tourist who stayed by as his helper. He's like a human woman who was very interested and wanted to wanted to help out and helps him like search out for crystals. And then um, a deep gnome cool. is also one that kind of works, helps work his shop and uh, like works the front desk often. Okay. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I like yeah. it. All right. So they got the regular station of like, if he goes into the town square and he's like trying to drum up business and like, Hey, let's go on to the cave. And then like, and then the exit, the gift shop, which is his shop. And he's mm -hmm. like, yeah, come and come get yourself a nice bag of rocks and crystals. Like we would all do as kids when we went to the exactly. zoo or whatever. And it's like, oh, these rocks, I got to have them or whatever. And you know what? Actually, the, a, a big part, a big, a big pull for Clover's Crystals, the store is that uh, if you go, if you enter the business, the back, there, there's a door that goes through the back into this cave where there is a, like a crystal cave where they're not for sale, but you can kind of enter and like pay a fee to enter and like check out the, uh, the crystal cave and it's all lit up and like shiny and bright in there. Oh, so kind of like natural bridge caverns yeah. or something like that, where you go in to look and then like, you're actually getting like a geology, gemology, stone cutting history. It's yeah, like, you exactly. see the natural deposits of limestone here were then yeah. affected the chemistry of the crystals that grew. You see stalactites are the one on the ceiling. Stalagmites are the one on the ground. <laughs> yeah, that whole thing. It's like, oh, the, the, and then like a yeah. bunch of humans and like sketch artists are like, because oh, they don't have cameras. They're like, yeah. oh, wow, these are so cool. <laughs> Just Very... a couple more minutes. Let me get the sketch done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, cool. And if you had to describe Clover with three adjectives, what three adjectives would you use? Different. He is different than the other people in his town and his clan. Um, he is colorful and he is easygoing. What is a valuable item, a piece of lore, a secret, or an ideal or concept that Clover would ascribe to? Oh, so sorry. Let me. Uh... Normally, we, you know, this is would be a thing like where people could roll for <laughs> randomly. Sometimes yeah. when people like are bringing a character or they're like making up a character, they might yeah. throw in a couple of things, which is fine. But just a valuable item. Maybe there's a piece of lore he knows. Maybe there's a secret think, he has. Or whatever. I think he has an item. Uh, it's an item that is very 
that he kind of keeps close possession of. It might not be valuable to the rest of the world, but it's something that like he'll show to like people that are that he that he trusts. It's this very well polished crystal that he doesn't polish all of his crystals, but the ones that he kind of keeps for himself, he might do. It's this amethyst. It's very clear, but all the facets you kind of kind of see like a flash of purple. Uh, but in the middle is this nugget of gold, kind of like tracing back to his dwarven roots of uh, you know valuing gold very highly. It's like in the middle of this mineral, uh, and I do not know if this is uh, geologically possible. It's a fantasy world that can work. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So um, it is just like this gold nugget that is actually definitely valuable within the amethyst. And he kind of keeps it hidden as like this cool geological like crystal and like, you know, keepsake. But also because he knows that the other dwarves might try to like crack it open for the gold itself. Sure. They're like, ah, we don't worry about the amethyst. It's the yeah. nugget we want inside. And is it like a very big is it like, like as big fist, as your hand or like, like this size nugget within like a kind of football sized crystal? And uh, let's see, all of our NPCs that we make on the show have to be able to offer up a side quest for our characters. So what's a particular quest that Clover would be willing to recruit or hire player characters to go and do on his behalf? He would hire the player characters to go off into this crystal cavern that has been taken over by a Zorn or maybe a family of Zorn. And, oh gosh, where's like, there's gotta be a twist in there somewhere. Um, sure. Cause Zorn are attracted to minerals. And I think yeah. sometimes deep gnomes raise Zorns to be like their pets to like, you know, basically like bloodhounds to sniff mm -hmm. out where valuables are. So is it like a pack maybe of wild Zorn? It's definitely wild Zorn, um, but they do find like an infant Zorn there that the party can possibly like tame and cause it to be like, have it be a um, party pet. Don't oh, know yeah. how you, how a DM like would, would work with a Zorn working with the party. Um, sure. Well, I mean, if you've got a MCDM beast heart class oh. that picks up a companion Zorn to fight in yeah. battle with you and also sniff out minerals, I suppose, when you're not in combat. Yeah. I think it's an opportunity to be able to get this uh, Zorn baby as a friend to the party. Do Zorns like, do they digest all the gold and stuff that they that they consume, right? Because they're they're trying to consume all this like valuable material, but I guess they have they're they're just digesting it because it's their food. Maybe that the Zorn had just had a meal and like they end up finding like all this gold inside of it and like maybe a magic item. Looking it up on the Forgotten Realms wiki, what it actually <laughs> says, which they are neutral elemental creatures, so it is very possible that you know a family, yeah. a pack of wild zorns have just encroached on the city they're and of not course, evil they're just natural they're doing their thing scavengers they consumed rocks minerals and gems in fact they could not digest meat at all so they did not attack creatures on the prime material plane they only attacked to defend themselves although they could be more aggressive if hungry and hunting for their inorganic food if in groups they would often send one of their number to negotiate for food it was extremely likely that they would attack if their requests for food were not granted. Wait, do they speak? Mm. Let's see. Here. I was gonna say it sounds like they speak, but like, how does he? How does they do speak common across? in Terran? So it is. I did not know that, that Zorn speak can... common. That's crazy. <laughs> well, if I don't have a Zorn already on my random table list, I gotta make sure yeah. I have one available. Maybe he has a Zorn working in his shop. <laughs> Could be. Yeah, maybe another employee that kind of yeah. like. Uh, I don't know. I feel like that's too dangerous. He'd be too tempted to uh, to oh. eat the product. Okay. So just a natural, normal family of Zorn have moved in to a, a cavern of crystals that um, Clover would love to yeah. open up. But now they're like, 
Well, yeah, and like, maybe the maybe the family of Zorn are um, you know maybe they're able to be reasoned with. Like you know, the, if you if you end up like kind of taking over this cavern of of crystal, you're kind of taking away their food supply. Yeah. Um, maybe you can kind of negotiate them with with them in some way rather than just like outright killing them. But if the party just ends up going in there, mm-hmm. you know, it's hard to stop them. Sure. Yeah, because they have the abilities to like earth glide or like burrow mm-hmm. in the earth, and they're just like they're zipping all around and then you know you're just like where'd they go and it's like tremors mm-hmm. or something like that and you're just Burr! well i don't know <laughs> if a zorn would actually eat a person whole or anything like that i love the idea of it like just coming out of the ground kind of jaws like and then or a down. zorn you know goes down and like nudges a purple worm and then all of a sudden a purple worm yeah. emerges and attacks the party like oh these guys are too <laughs> tough let's go let's go bug the sleeping purple worm that'll come up and uh, attack these people that are you know bothering our food source yeah that's a that's definitely a late game <laughs> okay all right so then it becomes a matter of clover wants to go in here to be able to mine it but obviously you know these are intelligent sapient creatures you know that view this as their rightful food source and so clover's asking the party to go in and negotiate yeah just kind of get rid of them by whatever means they're they're willing to do okay all right so however creatively, okay. So then what's going to be the reward for successfully negotiating? Like however that comes about. They allow the Zorn to stay there. Maybe they convince them to leave. Maybe they work out a deal, like some sort of relationship business deal with Clover in a shop. What's the reward going to look like? I think uh, Clover offers up to the party that um, he has this um, crystal or gem or something that has been... Uh, that he found is magically infused and he doesn't know exactly what it does, but he's willing to hand it over to the party for, um, for reward. Okay. Maybe like a psionic crystal or something like that. Yeah. Maybe like in Tasha's, there was like those cool uh, sorcerer focus foci. Maybe it's like something like that. Maybe it's like an Ion stone or it's like an Ion stone that's encased in like Amber or quartz or something. Interesting. So then you'd have to, you know, break it out of there to get yeah. it or something like that. And he just doesn't have the heart to break it. You know, he's like, oh, well, yeah, you know. he doesn't even know the value of it. Yeah, sure. Okay. Flip side of that, what's going to be the consequence of failure? If the party refuses to go deal with these Zorn, or maybe they take the renegade violent option, or just the quote evil option of dealing with this situation, how is that going to resolve? I think um, part of Clover's easygoing nature is that he also is a little bit more chaotic neutral and that he doesn't care too much if the Zorn are, you know, negotiated with or just like taken out. So like doing the evil version might not feel good to the party, but it's not going to affect the mission. Mm-hmm. If they just straight up fail the mission. Um, maybe... Does the purple worm emerge and start attacking the town or something <laughs> like that? Maybe, maybe, um, maybe Clover stays out of it but his deep gnome employee actually is like also works in the like underground of the city. And it's kind of like part of the criminal underworld six, the um, those thieves on the party. Oh, interesting. Okay. So the deep gnome employee of Clover shop is actually secretly part of some sort of criminal enterprise. Yeah. And so then him working at the business is like a front for him or it's just like his cover. I think it's cover. I think it's uh, and it's, definitely like negotiated with clover oh right because clover's kind of like the clover more knows like, yeah oh, okay <laughs> clover knows and he's cool with like you know because he's part of the subculture he knows about this like un- criminal underground and it's kind of like cool with it you know he brings work to them sometimes 
yeah, this deep gnome will find information within the shop from tourists and kind of be able to pass it down along the line. They go visit Clover's crystal shop, but then he's able to intel and be like, hey, watch out for this tourist. He clumsily carries a money bag, very obviously. So if you wait for the right moment, you could abscond with it and he wouldn't know or something. Yeah, I mean, what better way for like a criminal to kind of hide out and have a cover than like a a touristy gift shop? Oh, yeah. So it's like everybody who's new in town. Yeah. And then it's just like the times when I went to Europe way back when Oh, you got to be careful of these street artists or these people that are trying to sell you junk or something like that. Watch out because, you know, when you're not paying attention, five finger discount or something like that. Okay, interesting. All right. So they fail. And they won't they won't be stolen within Clover's shop because that's the negotiation he has with them is that he, you know, he, you know, we want, he wants people coming back to the shop. But sure. outside of his walls, you know, anything goes. When Clover has a customer within the store and is actually working with someone, Mm -hmm. He tries to protect them from this criminal guilt. If they're unsuccessful in this, that's when he goes to his deep gnome uh, employee and says, all right, these people are all yours. They're no use to me, especially if they're not buying anything. Um, So you either get out of it by get out of it by finishing the job or buying something of value from Clover. Interesting. Okay. And so by refusing to like go on this errand for Clover, that already kind of puts a strike in his book against them. Or if they fail on the mission in general, yeah. Right, they come back empty-handed, they're not able to successfully work out anything, they don't kill the Zorn, they're like, sorry, we're not going to do anything with them. Then I guess he's like, okay, sure, smiling, but then meanwhile, he'll go to the Deep Gnome and say, all right, they're fair game in the city or whatever like that. And then that's a whole other tangent of a quest line where the party is now getting embroiled with this uh, criminal Mm -hmm. enterprise within the Dwarven city. Yeah, they made an enemy without even realizing it, yeah. Oh, okay then, all right. Yeah, now that we understand who Clover is as a character, I think it's time that we engage in a random encounter. This random encounter is brought to you by Reaper Miniatures. They have been Texas titans of the tabletop industry since 1994. They're right here in DFW, and they've got an amazing warehouse and game store. They make everything from paints to gaming accessories, and they stream on Twitch and YouTube with tutorials and interviews. Whatever system you're running, whatever game you're playing, Reaper has a miniature for you. Every time you shop with them and spend $40, $50 on your purchase, they're going to give you a cool new mini of the month, and it's always something new, so all the more incentive to check back and shop often. I know I was recently awarded another gift card, so thank you very much, Reaper Miniatures, for the continued vote of confidence and support in my little humble podcast. Of course, you know by now, Reaper Miniatures Bones 6, Tales from the Green Griffin, went live on Kickstarter, and that is all completed now, but get on the backer kit, get involved, and get yourself some really cool minis, as well as we are still supporting UNICEF efforts for Ukraine through Reaper Miniatures by getting this little $9.99 figurine that's a Kenku Nightingale Bard character, and of that $9.99, you're spending $7.50 is allocated again towards UNICEF relief efforts for Ukraine. So visit my website or go to the show notes below, use that referral link, and when you use that link to go shop on Reaper, you're actually supporting Psychics and Cyclists at the same time. By clicking that link on my website, it helps to track the traffic that our show directs towards Reaper Miniatures. The more traffic, the more that our Texas powers combine. So again, go check the link out on the website in order to use my special referral code, and be sure to follow Reaper Miniatures on Facebook, Twitter, 
Instagram, Twitch, and YouTube. Oh, gosh. Yeah, so this is the part of the show where we get to play some D&D. We get to role play, do a little vignette, a scene. So with uh, Johnny here taking the role of Clover, real dwarven name to be determined in your game, Dungeon Master, <laughs> it's out there. But what kind of scene are you interested in showcasing Clover in? Are you wanting to do it so it's a um, him meeting one of the podcast characters, or is it um, him interacting with one of the uh, shop employees or, or something like that? Or, or what are you kind of interested in? I think Clover has just seen that somebody has entered their store and he is coming out from the back room, maybe taking some gloves off and is welcoming the party. You want Clover to meet one of the podcast characters then? Sure. Okay, so we got five to choose from and maybe Clover decides to offer the side quest. Who knows? But we've got Duncan, who's the recklessly brave, happy-go-lucky adventurer for hire. We have Sonya, the warrior woman, who multi-classed into Paladin. We have Korak, the lawful evil arcane trickster dwarf. We have Chrisley, who's the shy herbalist botanist, wood elf druid, who multi-classed to cleric. And then we have a brand new character, Orion, who is the astral elf illusionist wizard. And those are the five that have been created. But if you're not satisfied with any of those, we're more than happy to come up with a different random podcast character. Sure. Uh, Let's go with the fourth one, the druid cleric who is shy. So where we last left our hero, Chrisley, uh, she was interacting with Ashira, the bear folk herbalist out in the woods. And she spent quite a bit of time learning more with her and learning these new bits of uh, knowledge, enhancing to living memory. And it's a good long while that she spends with her. And I feel like, you know, her druid powers, her cleric powers, she's uh, increased And, uh, you know, she regards Ashira as a mentor and a dear beloved friend. And it's before too long that she feels the pull of adventure calling her once again. And Ashira recommends going to check out the, the Dwarven Mountain if she's needing to continue on this quest as far as serving the other voice, living memory. On that pathhood of restoring the Zotani people, the Zotani nation surreptitiously working on this uh, side quest with Pothos Anthropoi to restore all. And so uh, we'll say it takes her a little bit of time, but she makes her way there. And this is definitely very alien to her. Like she's been to like human type settlements and seen that civilization. She's been to the Feywild, but she hasn't actually been to like a proper dwarven settlement. So when she passes through the gates of this place, what is she seeing on the inside? What does this place look like? So she enters the mountain of Alvaron um, okay. and the uh, the dwarven city of Therum. Uh, and within this city, um, very like archetypal, a dwarven, like stone cut gates, um, like kind of an archway with dwarven runes inscribed in, the, in them saying, welcome to Therum. There is a small town square. It is very kind of, brutalist architecture um but tries to get the homey feel while still doing it so there is a um it's not necessarily a fountain it's more just like a pool of standing water in the middle but they keep it clean through like filtering the water through there is uh within this town square is clover's crystals uh to the left and then there is a long road down going through this cavern um you know mountain walls to the side all roofed you're you know you're underground uh and then the mines are further down into the mountain but this is kind of the 
the highest elevation point of Therum. Okay, and there's so there's nothing like built further up and, and and around going up the sides of the walls or anything like that. Like this is the top, basically. Yeah, it's kind of like it's it's much bigger than this. But you know those towns that you'll go through on a freeway where it's kind of lines up against a freeway and it's very long but not very wide. If you, the further you get away from the freeway, you know mm. there's just nothing there. Uh, but rather than the further you get away from this road, it's just stone. It's just mountain. Uh, oh. So this this is just a, like a long cavern that has businesses and then goes into homes and then goes into the mining quarter. Okay. All right. Interesting. So Chris Lee is walking in through this square. She sees this individual and she begins to approach. And uh, as Clover looks and can see like this mishmash, she looks like a druid, but she also looks like a cleric too. She spent quite a bit of time with nature and especially with Ashira. She kind of looks wild uh, as well. Like, you know, she is well back to natural appearances. She has like ferns and maybe not ferns, but she has all kinds of like uh, lichen and all sorts of other plant bits growing off of her naturally. And it's like incorporated into her look. So she almost looks like this guardian of nature that's like set forth into this uh, dwarven brutalist Eastern European mm-hmm. post-Soviet sort of society looking <laughs> place maybe. But she sees this brightly colored robed uh, individual and she'll stop and she'll look and she'll say, oh, uh, hello, nice to make your acquaintance. My friend Ashira um, said that this might be an interesting place to go. And you can see she's looking around um, and she is regarding Clover, but Clover can look and see that her eyes are like shifting colors as she's looking around as if she's like seeing past and through things as if she's trying to get a deeper meaning or understanding of what she's seeing. I'm... I don't I don't know if I've been here before. But she says it in a way as if like, well, how else could she have been here before? Mm-hmm. This is like literally her first time here. But yeah, Ooh. she'll she'll trail off and allow uh Clover to <laughs> speak. Welcome. Welcome, welcome. Uh welcome to Therum. Uh you seem very new here, but you know, all travelers must come through Cro- Clover's crystals. I'm sure your friend Ashira uh, mentioned Clover's Crystals as the number one place to go to within Therum, and you seem like you have a taste for natural beauty. Am I right about that? Oh, uh, you know, she kind of uh, blushes a little bit, and she's like, oh, yeah, well, yes, of course, yes, I do, that is right. I can tell, I can tell. Now, you have this beautiful, uh, you know, vines, leaves, mushrooms, you have a, a great, great aesthetic here. Now, I really think it could use just a little pop, a little, you know, a, a facet of of something just just gorgeous on a lapel maybe or behind your ear or pinning up your hair. And I I think I have just the thing for you. Please come into my store. Please come into my store. Sure. She reaches down and she pulls out this book and she looks over the landscape and kind of like an iRobot. She just, her hand moves very fast. She's still following you and talking to you, but her hand moves so fast. And it's like a photorealistic uh, sketch that she does from this vantage point of the square, looking down further down. And she'll say, Yes, this will serve the living memory well of uh, of learning more of this place. Certainly, yes, I will follow you to your shop. And so, oh, you haven't even seen anything yet. Just wait till you see the this whole shop. This has been, I promise you, this has been my life's passion. I have been building this place out, and I can only imagine what it must like seeing it for the first time. I wish I could see this for the first time. Please believe me; these crystals are just going to take your breath away. And I walk her into the uh, all these different shelves, like lined with glass. Uh, underlit to, to really have these uh, gems and crystals sparkle. 
Okay, yeah. And then um, I guess is there like a, a tour or something that she has the ability to go on and stuff like that? If Clover's leading it or is it a, another one of the employees? Yeah, so uh, she'll see the the deep gnome, Findrel. Findrel, the deep gnome, um, sitting behind the front desk, kind of reading a book, uh, mm-hmm. but definitely giving her, you know, trying not to be, you're being very subtle about it, but giving giving a little bit of side eye to her. And uh, the human woman, um, Layla, is um, is out, you know, excavating different crystals, but Clover will offer all these different aesthetic jewelry type crystals that he might think will go with her outfit. And then he will also try to sell her on the Crystal Cavern tour for five gold pieces uh, within the behind the building through a back room. Yeah, she'll roll an insight check on Clover, I guess. And, you know, she's basically tapped into like uh, the Matrix, as it were, through this living memory. And, you know, this is her first time interacting with him. And so she doesn't have any previous uh, recollection necessarily to kind of draw on. But she gets the genuine sense that like, yeah, he really cares about this and he wants to show her and impress her. And she's not one to be too attached materially to things, but you know, she does have a small size of coin on her. And so she'll produce five gold pieces and she'll say, sure, I would love that tour. Amazing. Amazing. Uh, please write this way before, but before we, we go into this tour, I, I first, we are passing the, uh, my favorite shelf here and i think that these opals i saw this this beautiful color within your eye and i think these opals would absolutely match that um they're here i show her a, a beautiful like kind of cat's eye opal that would work as like a nice brooch Ooh, or okay. brooch i apologize oh. i feel like everybody gets that wrong i just <laughs> fell into that trap she's from the surface so her tribe her community of wood elves have dealt with gems and stuff like that before maybe through trade maybe not necessarily excavating them herself but she is impressed and she'll say living memory tells me of the skill and craftsmanship of dwarves and and certainly this is a a testament to that she's very impressed and she says will this be here waiting for me when we're done with the tour absolutely you do not need to make a decision yet Uh, i will take you on this tour it'll be a quick 10 minute tour and we will come back in here you let me know uh, we'll, we'll leave it here. Uh, Findrel, come, uh, please just put this aside so that nobody can take this beautiful, uh, young woman's, uh, uh, priceless, priceless opal. And is it fairly, uh, busy today or is it like, or is she no, like the first person else that's come shop. through? <laughs> nobody okay. Else so shop. he like rolls his eyes like, yeah, sure. I'll make sure yeah. no one takes it kind of a thing. And then she's like, okay. So yeah. So, uh, she'll go on the tour and she's enraptured. She's learning about it all. Like this is uh, new information for her. Um, that she's never partaken of before. And uh, at least in particular in this community, I don't think anyone who served living memory before, none of the other Zotani Nimis have been here before. So she just doesn't have that knowledge. And so she feels very proud. She feels very special and unique uh, being able to get this tour, this insight and uh, this memory added to living memory. And so the tour ends and then she'll come back and she's uh, riding a cloud. She's happy. And she'll ask uh, how much the the brooch costs then. Well, if you know, please forgive me if I'm mistaken. Um, this this brooch is a very valuable item, and I'm sure that you were able to afford it. I'm not uh, trying to insinuate otherwise, but I am happy to offer this to you uh, for free. Well, for a price of going along in a, uh, a small job for me, if you are willing. I'm, I'm trying to. Layla is is out in the caves uh, excavating already in this in this one cavern that we have discovered. There's another cavern that has been discovered that we need 
a little bit of help clearing out. Is that something that falls within your specialties? Oh, oh. she looks down at her gear, uh, all of it, and she's like, yes, I think I am uh, well versed in the arts of uh, defending nature. And, uh, and I believe I've proven myself, yes, worthy of this challenge. Well, that is incredible to hear. I've been trying to find someone who can do this for me. And you seem to be up for the job. I am uh, trying to get the uh, this this cavern to be workable. Um, once Layla is able to get in there, she will be able to to excavate all these beautiful crystals. However, it is a bit too dangerous for her right now, as there is a pack of these nasty nasty Zorn. Honestly, the bane of my existence. They they don't treat these crystals as anything better than food. Uh, it is nutrients to them, while it is my life's blood. They just don't understand. And if you can convince them to to leave this cavern that there's that there's other other better meals elsewhere that i would be in your debt um and i feel like i can make it even more worth your while further than this opal this opal is is pennies compared to what i can offer you if you are able to do this work for me are you able to do this she'll pause and think about it but then she'll say and you see her eyes are flashing different colors as she's like going through and she's like zorn huh interesting Okay. Yes, I I think I am well suited to the task with dealing with these Zorn. That is incredible to hear. Uh, look, I will I will give you this opal just for going on the job. Um, you come back, and I promise you there will be something much greater waiting here for you. And so then she gets the details of where to go in this new mystery cavern, and uh, she will undertake a diplomatic mission to speak with some Zorn. <laughs> And scene. Yeah, yeah, we did it. Woo! <laughs> so, what'd you think of uh, getting to be Clover? That was fun. Um, I feel like if I had a if I had a chance to kind of embody the character for a little bit longer, I might try a, a dwarven voice for him. But man, I'm always I'm always nervous to do voices on a on a podcast like this. Like if you if you mess up at the very beginning and you can't get in that that rhythm immediately, mm-hmm. then it it's going to go bad. So usually I just try to do a different version of my own voice rather than, you know, try to go for the dwarven Scottish accent or something sure. a little bit crazy. Yeah. Do you think uh, Clover is going to be making an appearance anytime soon in a home game of yours, perhaps? I think so. I don't have any um, dwarven subterranean cities planned, but I might have to make one. Uh, if not, then I'll I'll definitely have it in, in my pocket for a future campaign or a future one shot. There we go. Well, this segment of the show is called Final Thoughts. So, you know, we always like to, you know, leave it open for critique, criticism and feedback and just, you know, seeing how you thought your time was on the show. I loved it. I love that you had five characters to uh, just ready, like on their own adventure um, that that you're willing to throw in there. I think that'd be that's really cool. And I hope that they get to meet each other at some point. Yeah, I was thinking like, you know, if, you know, maybe a big Patreon goal or something like that would be very interesting. You know, like you were talking about like tournament things like, oh, maybe if I actually built them out as real characters and did like a tournament battle and I had some of my guests on to play as the characters to fight each other. Or, you know, I I based them all around a similar level. And then it's like, okay, I need you to go do one of the one shot adventures for a side quest that's been offered up on the show that somehow it brings them all together. Uh, and they all are like, well, I guess we're a party and we're going to go off on an adventure together. So it definitely would be a very motley bunch, to say the least. You know, it'd be incredible, um, while probably very hard in production, would be um, having all of the characters meet each other and even maybe like act through initiative and fight 
um, something, but they're all voiced by you, not necessarily at the same time. Well, not, you know, with you within one take, but it's like five different takes plus you as a DM kind of all interacting with each other. I'm putting a lot on your plate for the Patreon, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That would have to be like uh, Patreon subscriptions, $100 yeah. a pop. And I have like a bunch of those like, all right, I guess I'm going to endeavor on a one man audio drama or something like that by myself. Oh, man, I would pay for it. <laughs> well, we do have a Patreon. So if you yeah. if you do want to contribute not to be that guy that's always like trying to promote <laughs> his own brand in the middle of the closing part of his show. But yeah, so, you know, uh, I always like to leave the very final moments of the show. So uh, if there's anything that you'd like to plug, where can we find you on social media? Are there any causes or anything like that uh, that you want to leave us with before we end this year's uh, this Christmas slash New Year episode? Yeah, everybody, uh, you know, treat yourself, treat others well in the uh, in this new year. Uh, you can find me at Johnny Stanton IV on Twitter, Instagram, and on uh, Twitch. I paint miniatures. I play video games. Uh, I have very cool, fun guests on. I've had Robbie Damon, great voice actor, been on Critical Role on my show in the past. I have, um, by the time this comes out, I'm hoping to have a number of other people have, who have been on the show. Uh, and uh, I'm really excited uh hopefully have you have you there interacting with me in chat Ooh, very cool all right well mr stanton the fourth thank you so much for your time and uh to all of you out there in podcast radio land this podcast just wants to wish you a very merry christmas a happy new year uh god bless us one and all all <laughs> right it's not video i'm not waving to anybody <laughs> <laughs> thank you for listening to this episode of sidekicks and side quests be sure to subscribe to the podcast through Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and Overcast. Or feel free to save the RSS feed to use the app of your choice. Visit our website, SidekicksAndSideQuest.com, for links, write-ups of the NPCs, and to learn more about the show and the guests who have been on it. To stay up to date and interact via social media, you can follow the podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Reddit by searching for SideKQ Podcast. I would love to talk D&D and showcase your fan art, stories of how you used our NPCs, discussions, and commentary. If you would like to hail the bod, simply send an email to sidekicksandsidequests at gmail.com. To help this show be the resource it's meant to be, I ask that you please leave a review on iTunes to help spread the word and share our podcast with your friends and family. Whether you're a veteran player or an aspiring dungeon master, or you've never played Dungeons and Dragons before, there's something here for everyone, and I want to hear about it. And finally, after two years, I've decided to open a Patreon for Sidekicks and Sidequests. If you love this podcast and you want to help us grow and expand our operations, I would appreciate it if you would go on over to patreon.com forward slash Sidekicks and Sidequests. No matter your lifestyle expenses, we have wonderful rewards at every level of Patreon membership tier. Your name on the wall of the levitating platter, a loud hurrah on the podcast, or the possibility to introduce an element of chance to NPC creation. Psychics and Psychos is unofficial fan content permitted under the fan content policy, meaning I'm not approved or endorsed by Wizards. Portions of the materials used are property Wizards of the Coast, copyright Wizards of the Coast, LLC. Thank you for your support, and I'll see you at the pub next time. Bar to rock on one, two, one, two, three, four.